Welcome to Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. And I'm Matt Henry. I, I, I'm at your church. I remember so. that. That was from memory. That was from memory, your intro. After That's two clean. months off. Yeah. Yeah. So we're uh, in your courtyard of your church. Yeah. So you might hear birds. You will hear birds. We have the loudest robin known to mankind. Happy. But probably here in an airplane. We're, we're enjoying ourselves. We're right by an airport. Are we? Yeah. I guess we are. Do you? Are you on the flight path? Flight path? Uh, this is going to be a great yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we are. Yeah, I'll do. Well, we try to do Bible studies out here sometimes. And the comment is always someone needs to move that airport. <laughs> my, my son bought his house during COVID, I think. And so it was super quiet. And he was like, this is awesome. And it, and and then they found out that they're right next in the flight path of the airport in their town. And uh, now that COVID's not quite what it was, um, it's a slightly different noise. Anyhow, yeah. so what are we going to talk about? So we're going to do a sp- special episode. Well, they're all pretty special, but... Uh, <laughs> Well, technically, you're still on sabbatical. I am. But you're here for a few days, passing through. So we wanted to do a little bit of uh, talk on the Southern Baptist Convention that we were at. Uh, you were driving around over there, so you might as well have gone to that. So yeah, I flew there with uh, Grayson as well, and we met you there. So I got to see you for a couple of days. And... Did the convention. Yeah, the annual meeting. It's technically an annual meeting. Technically, isn't the SBC... It convenes there. I think... I don't. Yeah, we, we've talked about that. Yeah. My understanding is only when they call it to order for the annual meeting is the convention actually there. Um, there's the entity of the Southern Baptists, you know, all those different subgroups. But right. Yeah, but it's called the annual meeting because I, I I only say that because I said it to a few Southern Baptists. I'm like, yeah, I'm here for the convention. And they're like, oh, we're here for the annual meeting. I'm like, uh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so again, it shows how un-Southern Baptist-y in the sense I am. But mm-hmm. so, but yeah, so we went there. Uh, we went, we talked about this last year too. We went to it for our first time and we, we learned yeah. some things. Yeah, well, because last year was our first year. That was right. your first one you've ever been to? Right. Yeah, mine too, obviously. And uh, so I felt this year I was tracking with everything pretty good. Yeah. Last year I was, there were moments where I'm like, I have no idea what's happening. Yeah. This year I felt like there was nothing where I was lost or not certain. I actually think the Southern Baptist, uh, uh, now they're here in that Robin, he's going to town. Um I think the Southern Baptists could do a lot better at preparing the messengers. Those are the people who go to represent uh, their churches. Um, a, a simple video of here's how it works, because they, you know, they publish here's the order of events. But what you don't realize is that at any given time, a person can do a, a an issue regarding the, the order, mm-hmm. um, and are we in order, out of order, point of order? We can add, do motions. Um, right, and and none of that's there. It's just like ERLC will be giving a financial report, and you're like, yeah. I'm going to skip that. Well, then you find out that 
major things took place. So I wish they would do that. And and so that's what we discovered last year. Was, Part of it is understanding Robert's rules of order. Yes. Which I didn't really last year. This year I did. Yeah, I, I at some point I think I actually might uh, see if there's like a video or something on YouTube that walks us through to even better understand. Yeah, there's actually a whole website. Oh, really? Totally dedicated to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that uh, one of the guys running for president, I'm not sure who I assumed it was Askell. Um, they hired a guy that was actually an expert on that. Um, because one of the things you can do, and we watched it happen this time, was you can play the rules and just rule. That's out of order, or mm-hmm. the chair will not recognize that. And you're like, so I'm done? Yes, you are. Go sit down. <laughs> right. <laughs> so anyhow, we, we walked away disturbed last year um, with just some of the things that we saw, how, how it was run, the CRT uh, critical race theory, social justice kind of thing. There was a push to have sexual abuse investigated, and there was a real controversy surrounding that. Well, it got passed. And so we weren't real thrilled at all <laughs> with who got voted in. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, found, uh, I found it fascinating that you heard very little with regard to race this year. Yeah. It was all uh, about the sexual abuse stuff. Um, and last year it was completely about the race stuff and the sexual abuse stuff was being mentioned. Yeah. And it's like they're always a year or two behind, it seems, what's what's going on in the culture. So they're always responding to that versus yeah. proactively. Like, like if the SBC was ahead of the culture on the sexual abuse stuff or ahead of the culture on race stuff, that okay, fine, whether you agree with it or not, it's a different issue, but I just find it fascinating. They're always behind. Yeah, well, that's just like church has always been. I mean, the praise bands. Uh, you know, yes, yeah. the music, right. Um, I also, though, would argue that what's, there's a manipulation that takes place. What, what, here's, here's something that the whole world is talking about. We can market this, and then we can push for changes um, like the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. Um, all we saw t- this time was really, it was uh, an SBC form of Me Too about sexual abuse. And by, by making, framing the convention around that, the, they basically created uh, this, you're one way or the other. If you're against the guideposts, we'll talk about that in a second, the guideposts' recommendations, and you're anti-women. Yep. <laughs> you're anti-survivors. You're anti, you're pro-sexual. It's like, what? Yep. And so anyone who expresses concern uh, is already on the out. Same thing with last year. If you express any concern over CRT. Um, you're a racist. Yeah, you're a racist. You don't care about your uh, brothers and sisters of color. You're blah, blah, blah. And so then the people who are only nominally aware of these issues but are there with a vote, you know, well, no, they, they're for racial reconciliation. So we'll, we'll vote and not understand that you're putting a policy into place that has long, long-term consequences. Mm-hmm. So last year we had a guy named Mike Stone that we like uh, and Ed Litton uh, run for president. Litton was the guy that won. He, in, in spite of the fact that um, it was shown that he had a modalistic 
view, or at least his church on their website, they, they, they said that they believed in a modalistic view of the Trinity, which then, once it got pulled, it got scrubbed from the internet. scrubbed, right. Uh, but also, he, he was openly plagiarizing. That's a word they're using. I don't know if I like that word, but sure. uh, the well, he current president, yeah. J.D. Greer. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was pretty brutal. They showed the side by side statements, like, and and then magically, tons of his sermons disappeared from the web because um, they didn't want that looked into anymore. But he won, and uh, so he was running the show. He had the gavel this year. Um, uh, Lytton was also brought up because he had his wife co-preaching or teaching with him on the, I, I wouldn't call what he does preaching. So I, I struggle. He's up on the platform with his wife and they're, they're together talking, teaching their church yeah. about um, marriage, but it's during the worship service, the teaching time. And again, that would be contrary to, we believe clear biblical teaching. So all of that to say though, that we walked away annoyed and we came back this year knowing that there were going to be issues with the sexual abuse. So now we fast forward a few. I can't remember. When was uh, was it one, two months before the meeting that the guideposts dumped? No, it was several, just a, it was a few weeks. Yeah, just a few weeks. Actually, someone made a motion this year to say, hey, whenever you have these things going on, like the, those should be published at least a few months before. Right we convene because you need time to process and think, but it always comes out just three weeks before. And it's like, okay. Yeah. And then you're supposed to make decisions on things. And that's again, going back to the politicking, there's plans about that. That doesn't just happen. And it was actually hastily put out. And, but it's a big report, 200 plus pages. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to, you know, read that. It's, it's fulfilled with all kinds of stuff. They did have a helpful executive summary. Did I don't know if you read that. It was actually like uh, several pages, but it encapsulated the essence of the thing. And I thought that was helpful for me. Um, but thoughts on the guideposts? Just as you, the guideposts and the general discussion. Because this, this for us was, I think... I mean, we sat through the whole time. We didn't walk off this time like we did last year <laughs> and find out the key votes all of a sudden pop up. Right. We parked our yeah. rear ends yeah. in less comfortable chairs, I might add. In Anaheim, it was not as comfortable. Those chairs up front, remember when we scooted up front last year, it's like, mm-hmm. ooh, these rock and <laughs> they're cushy. But Well, and I will say that at least they had enough chairs this year. Uh, that's true. Because well, far less people came. Actually, they had 8,000 over 8,000 messengers, so 2,000 less than last year, and only 6,000 voted. Right. The other two were probably over at Disneyland, which was like a block away, <laughs> uh, supporting a pro-LGBTQA plus agenda at Disneyland, but yeah. I digress. I've seen enough Mickey Mouse ears for oh my gosh. life. Yes. <laughs> yes. They were everywhere. Yes. Um, Anyhow. So the, the guidepost report. Yeah, we, got, we, we have no script, guys. We have some talking points. So we're rambling. Yeah. If we ramble, deal with it. So for, for people who don't know, Guidepost Solutions, I believe is the title of the organization. They are a secular organization yeah. that the SBC last year voted to hire. So I think we paid three, four million bucks for this. Yeah. 
um, and they did a a full investigation, whatever that means. Um, and then the product was this 200-page report. There's this thing called the executive committee, and that's still a little vague to me. Um, but it's got a lot of power, mm-hmm. um, and the president gets to appoint people onto right. that. So it's a it's a key group, and the the idea was that is the executive committee hiding sexual abuse, right. men, people accused and of sexual abuse, and and not bringing them out so that they can the churches can be protected from them. So that's mm-hmm. yeah, that's what the investigation was. All of that. And there was a whole bunch of things that we don't fully understand. Several of the members resigned because they were requested that uh, they um, sign a, what's what's that, waiver? Uh, yeah, non-disclosure. Non-disclosure. Um, no, no. It was uh, attorney-client privilege. That's and right. The lawyers said, look, you don't want to do that because at that point, then you open everybody up to personal lawsuits and everything else. And so they just resigned. They're like, we're not going to sign that and waive our right to an attorney. Yeah. Uh, and of course, it looks bad. But to but some the optics, but, right. right. It looks bad, but it's like, yeah, it's, it's a very personal thing at that point. It, it's more than just dealing with your role within the SBC and stuff like that. And then, of course, everyone's like, well, what do they have to hide? Yeah. So again, you're, you're guilty till <laughs> you can fully open up your whole life and prove yourself innocent. And we, and we, we, one thing you guys might understand, you know, we, we're not fans of people like Julie Royce and the Royce Report. Well, she's a big proponent of the Guy Post. The Guy Post kind of rose up from nowhere during the Church Too, Me Too movement of the last couple of years. And they have been kind of, they were heralded as like the the go-to place to get uh, you know, you don't want to investigate within, with, do an internal investigation because how do you know that they're not being, right. how do you know they're being trustworthy, which is cheap uh, and that's wrong, but that's what it is. So everyone voted, yes, we're going to hire the go- guideposts. They're going to do it, but it's important that you guys understand it's, it. like you said, it was a secular organization yeah. and that's what they were going to do. And then they dumped this report just before the convention. So it now completely dominates the messaging. Yes, everything. So that got published. What what was fascinating is because it is, of course, a secular organization, what, a week before the SBC convened, uh, Guidepost had come out posting pro-LGBTQIA plus stuff because, of course, it's June. Um, and And legitimately, that caused concern for people. It did for us. Because this is an organization investigating a moral issue, right? I mean... Yeah, what is sexual abuse? Right. And yet their moral determines that they're pro-everything contrary to what Scripture states with regard to sexuality (laughs) uh, and morality. The very fact that you go out pro-pride, meaning Mm -hmm. gay pride and all the things you already believe in sexual abuse because mm-hmm. it's part of the so whole you, thing yeah you it, yeah. so at that point now we're only arguing about what color is it you know i, I don't want to be well and and but but yes it, but that's i think what you said is important uh you're you're already predisposed to think sexual abuse is everywhere 
by virtue of the fact that LGBTQIA plus people are oppressed in their sexuality. Yeah. So that by itself is oppression, abuse, those kinds of yes. things. Yes, yes. So now that's informing how they're approaching what, as we're going to talk about, is a credibly accused person guilty of sexual abuse. And or, then, because it's secular, it's not going to say, how does the Bible then tell you that you handle an accusation? Well, that too. Yeah. Right? I mean, <laughs> absolutely. So, so well, because yes. it goes back. So, if you, you sit there and you got fired because you came out gay, and so the church fires you, you can claim that this was an oppressive act right. when in fact it's a biblical act, it's mm -hmm. a righteous act, and tough noogies to you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so th there is real concern. It's like, so we just poured millions of dollars of people's giving mm -hmm. who are trying to give toward the Great Commission, which is what Southern Baptists are famous for. Uh, again, people forget Southern Baptist is the largest mission-sending agency in the world. Yeah, it is not a denomination. It, yeah, it's a convention of, of independent churches cooperating for a bigger idea. Right. And people are giving to their local church, and in turn, then that goes into a cooperative fund. And, and so millions of dollars got funneled out of that to a secular pro-gay organization that's now going to tell us as a as a Christian organization, what's right or wrong, and how to deal with it. Yes, yeah. and give the recommendations. Hence, if you haven't noticed, we're annoyed. Yeah, well, and then in there, there's an inherent issue with just the structure and the nature of the SBC. Uh, we're investigating sexual abuse cover-up in the organization. The problem is the organization is not. The issue is. Yeah, see if you can say this because it's going to be good. Yeah how do you, how do you uh, how do you appeal sexual abuse in your church, which by definition as Baptists is local. Yes. Well, I should be able to kick it up to the organization somehow. The problem is, is that's not how the SBC works. We're okay. not, there's yes. not a hierarchy of authority. We're not a presbytery where, oh, I feel my pastor's not listening to me, so who can I appeal to outside? Yeah. yeah. Uh, or something like that. Yeah, or Lutherans where I'll send it to the bishop and the bishop will go to whatever's the council. And finally, you got that top guy and they're, no. Yeah. The highest court of order, is that the right word? I work with me, sure. people. Uh, <laughs> or court of appeal, not order, in in the SBC is the local church. Right. And it, it would be, if their, con their congregational rule, it's what does the congregation do. So, and, and it ends there. The SBC can't tell that right. church. I mean, people don't grasp it. The SBC literally can't tell that church, this is how you have to do it. Yeah. Now, if they want to, they can. I mean, if we want to vote that and say that they can't, but now we're radically changing the polity or the governing principles mm -hmm. of the convention. So that if there is sexual abuse happening, that is not a failure of SBC structure. That is a failure of local church leadership. Say that again. That's super good. If, 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 if there's sexual abuse happening, it's easy to say, well, this is just rank in the SBC and it's, there's a huge systemic problem. Uh, actually, no. The, the problem is what's happening in that local church. Those leaders are failing to be biblical godly leaders. Um, so this notion of, well, we just need to kick it up and they're covering all these things and all the, the other statements that are being made they're not accurate to the nature of how the SBC structured in the first place. Yeah. And that's part and parcel of the problem. So now we want to hire an organization to deal with the systemic corruption quote that's in the SBC. 
but it's just not there. That's not how it works. Right. And now they did provide a list. In fact, anyone can go online and read the report, but they can also go online and look at the list. They did a, right. a, compile a list of several hundred uh, people involved in ministry in some way or another. They were pastor. Some of them were a volunteer in children's ministry. I mean, so it's it's just think local church, and you got some guy who's your Sunday school teacher, and they uh, got involved in some kind of abuse situation that we would agree is abuse. It's we, it's sin. Mm -hmm. uh, but what's interesting is the the vast, vast, vast majority of those people were caught investigated by the governing authorities, arrested, charged, and are in prison or did serve their their time. So, in other words, quote-unquote, the system worked. Mm -hmm. um, there was not some cover-up or anything like that. Um, the problem, though, is they framed it so as if if you're against what they're proposing and the proposals are very disturbing in my mind uh, by the way we would recommend that they go to a uh, a guy named John Harris or Josh Harris yes John Harris J O N John yeah John Harris conversations that matter uh, he has a podcast we'll provide the link to it uh, he he does it before this little podcast 43 minutes long. It's before the annual meeting actually took place, but he really did a nice job. I thank you for telling me about it, of kind of dissecting the concerns of the report. Um, but you can see the list of all of the people who were arrested, their charges, except there's some redactions, just I think it's a legal issue, mm -hmm. um, which I found interesting is that they redacted it, and yet they claimed that if we if if the SBC at any point chose on their own to redact something, that's a cover-up. But it's like even you had to. Your lawyers looked at this list, and you know what you can put and not put yeah. out there. Um, but the the problem is that that all of a sudden it was now, again, if you're against us and our proposals, then you're pro-sexual abuse. You don't care about the victim. And it's like not one person, I, I mean, maybe there's one in 8,000 people, but not. Not one person at that convention was saying, how can we abuse people? Right. How can we sexually abuse people and get by with it? Um, we all were in agreement. The question is, what does the Bible then say? And that's what framed the next, I mean, we'll get to it in a second, but um, the presidential election, who's yeah. going to replace Lytton? Thankfully, he stepped away and didn't run a second time with all of his tomfoolery and stuff, but it, it really came down to, we, we like a guy named Tom Askell. Uh, he, he's been there forever. And his argument is, hey, we have a book called the Bible, and there's a way to do it. Right. And the other guy was wanting to be much more, I'm going to be a guy of the system and the, you know, the big elites in the SBC, and we're going to push that. And unfortunately, he won, but I, I'm ahead of it. The real question, though, is how... Um, uh, a huge issue is the point of pursuing truth in the face of the accusation. Yeah. Of accusation, I accuse you that you sexually abused me. What do we do with that? Right. Is do, do we believe you? Is is that what the Bible says? And and before people start listening to us saying, yeah, yeah, we gotta believe the uh, the person, the victim. I'm going to argue that. A person who brings an accusation of abuse is not yet a survivor. 
I don't care what they want to call themselves, but they're not a survivor and they're not even a victim. At that point, they're only an accuser. I don't mean that in a pejorative sense either. It's just they're making an accusation. And it could be a legitimate yeah. one. And at that point, <laughs> they become a victim and quote-unquote a survivor, though I hate that phrase. Um, but it has to now have a process of investigation. You can talk about due process, which is a biblical concept, but the biblical idea is that it needs to be thoroughly investigated, two or three witnesses, every fact confirmed, and then you act upon it in light of that. What What is being argued here is, no, just believe mm -hmm. the accuser. So some of the names that they added into the report, they said, these are people, these are big names too, who we believe have been credibly accused. There's no proof. And the person denies it. It's like, that's evil. That's yeah. sin. Well, yes. And first of all, what is the proverb of everyone sounds righteous when they state their case until another comes and makes their case? So everyone has a right to face their accuser. Proverbs 18, 17. You got that one memorized. <laughs> <laughs> it's called 25 years. Yeah. Of <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, th th there's a troubling phrase that's being thrown around right now uh, within the SBC with the guidepost stuff, and it's this phrase of credibly accused. Yeah. Um, the question is, is what does credibly accused mean? And, and it's lacking definition, and I think that's where there's been a huge struggle right now. And who's determining the criteria by which a person is credibly accused? Well, it's guidepost solutions. Again, the secular, unbiblical organization. So it's, it's making things extremely fuzzy and c complicated, um, and it and it's frightening, in in my view. Yeah, it is, uh, and unbiblical because again, you're not dealing with it at the local church. But well, again, if you want to see how that looks, peruse the Royce report. We right. don't recommend her at all. But on Facebook, just go and see where she slams out somebody. Like her favorite target lately has been John MacArthur. Well, first of all, legally, they can't comment. The church can't comment. So they, so then she can say, well, they said this and this and this. Well, we don't know if that happened, especially when it's been 20, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but we believe them. We think, and now they, they become now the victim. And now all of a sudden these people get a platform. So that's, I can't pronounce her name, Rachel Dollander. She's a survivor. Yeah. And Dellen Holler or Dellen Holler. I, she was the one involved with Larry Nasser, the the, yes. the gymnast stuff. Yeah. And we're not uh, saying yeah. that those things didn't happen and the evil of that. But now she's become like the expert and now she's monetized mm -hmm. her victim status. And she's now able to charge big fees and help. And and she's the one that brought in the get guideposts and 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 all of a sudden the whole organization is submitting themselves to her and and her people, and again, we, we're, we're dealing with survivor, victim language, credibly accused, and pe uh, men and women's lives are literally going to be demolished. Um, and if people doubt that, go back and re remind yourselves what it looked like with the Kavanaugh hearings, where they're just dredging people up from his high school days or college, right. and it's like, what? Mm -hmm. um, well, and you saw some of that in live time with uh, Tom Buck. So it, you, why don't you go ahead and tell the story? Well, I don't know Tom myself, but um, he's, he's a significant pastor, uh, I think out in Florida. 
to try to make it as short, and I'm, I hope I don't do him disservice by screwing up some details, but you, it's all online. You can find it. Um, he was trying to comply with what they were saying after last annual meeting that, look, if, if you know of things, you, we need to let the, the convention know if you know of people who may be involved in that so that we can look into it. And so there was a guy who was going to, I believe he was uh, being pushed to become. He was running for president. president yes. yes. And he had a deacon who had already had sexual ethic problems in other places. And so Tom became aware of that. So he contacted the man. His name was Willie Rice. Well, yes, but actually he also contacted the sexual abuse task force first. Oh, and asked for advice. He says, look at... I, I think he actually talked to Rachel. Yes, and the head of the um, task force. Yeah. The guy who gave the impassioned oh, speech golly. about how if you don't vote for these things, basically you're guilty of it. Um, so he Kafka trapped everybody. Um, I wanted to but, punch him. <laughs> But uh, he, yeah, so he reached out to him. He, now, what's well known is Tom Buck is very close with Tom Askell, yes. who also, obviously, as we mentioned, is running for president. So he reached out and said, look it, I don't want this to appear political and, and discredit someone or something in order to get my friend Tom elected. So I'm not certain what to do. I don't know if I should just be quiet or what. And they said, absolutely, you should contact this pastor, who again was running for president, or he was nominated, yeah, uh, and let him know about the deacon. So, and understand this is all being done privately. Mm -hmm. No big deal. Just he's he, he's not blowing it up on Twitter or anything else. So he contacts him, and then the hell just unleashed on him that this is a politically motivated thing. And so his wife, meanwhile, she had uh, Tom's wife in years ago had been sexually abused in some way. Still don't know because she doesn't talk about. Mm -hmm. And she had submitted a paper that she was going to write an article for, and she had submitted it, and it, but it was a rough draft, and she just wanted some people to look at it. And they were at the Southeastern Baptist Theological S Seminary. Karen Swallow Pryor, mm -hmm. I think is her name. I don't like her either at all, but she was one of them. All of a sudden, this rough draft gets leaked out, and they're the only ones that had it. And in it, it chronicled that there was this sexual abuse. But the way it got leaked was the implication was that either Tom was involved or her, his, her father, neither of which were involved. Mm -hmm. And so then this exploded, and they're like, wait a second. And so it was, see, he's politically uh, motivated. Oh, and also an abuser. Mm -hmm. And so it got really ugly. <laughs> so here, here, so the believe the accuser goes right out the window yeah. when you're politically not on the right side. He he got up. We both saw that he got up and tried to bring up a question, a legitimate question, and was ruled out of order and shut down. His wife got up and they shut her down and just turned her mic off. And so here it is. So we're, we're, are we going to believe all women or not? And and the head of the task force, if you don't go through our recommendations and you are pro abuse, you are you are not in accordance to God, and you're not a man of Christ. Blah blah. blah. It's like oh, shut up. And then the, a woman that everyone recognizes had been abused tries to speak to it, and she shut down like that. It was it was pretty pretty crazy. 
So they, they, all of that to say we had a bad taste in our mouth. We were not going to vote for the recommendations, but uh, talk about the recomm- a few of the recommendations that the report gave, yeah, well, there which were, we have now approved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there were two, two major ones that were being voted on. Um, yeah, the first one here. Uh, yeah, you, it's actually the direct quote. Okay, it says, first, uh, so here's what they're calling on the messengers of the SBC to do via recommendations of guideposts. First, form an independent commission and later establish a permanent administrative entity to oversee comprehensive long-term reforms concerning sexual abuse and related misconduct within the SBC. Um, so, sounds good. Yeah. But we're going to pat ourselves in the back if we do this because it looks good. It's all PR. Um, however, if that is approved then what you've done effectively is destroyed the independent autonomous relationship of cooperation. Yeah, you're now being overseen. Right. So <laughs> now we're turning into Lutherans. Lutheran, Presbyterians. Which, which is completely, then stop calling ourselves Baptists, which one of the people may not understand, one of the things that Baptists hold to is the autonomy of that local church. Right. That, um, and, and, be, and for good reasons, because it's like biblical. <laughs> Sorry, Presbyterians, but it is. Uh, even though I know there's subtle differences sure. there. But yep. uh, on top of that, you've now added a bureau- big level of bureaucracy. You've got this, um, the key word I, I put in our notes is permanent. This is a permanent entity. Now, this will be, uh, this will be a plum. If you want to get good pay, and not have to work real hard, you can get onto this kind of an oversight thing. And you're going to just shuffle paper and do reports, but you literally have in your hand massive power to mess with people. Um, A a way I would uh, relate it is out West, a lot of land is Bureau of Land Management and ranchers use it because it's public land. But Sometimes a rancher on his own property will create like a small dam so that he can capture some of the runoff so it doesn't just run off really quick of the rain. So it gives right. uh, water for the wildlife, but also his cattle. That now becomes a oversight of the EPA and, and, and other things. And they now can fine him if they don't, he doesn't manage it the way they say he should. And he has no authority. He didn't vote for these people, but they have all this power to levy. I know one ranch uh, that was put out business, they, they leveled $10,000 a day fines against him because he didn't submit all of the bureaucratic paperwork to just create this small. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's not a dam like most people think. It was just crazy. That's what's going to happen here. Yeah. Is it, it might be helpful for people too, and I'm sure some are familiar, but the SPC really mirrors in many ways the American system of government. Um, because when they when we came over, I mean, w- America's founded on the idea of this is going to be an experiment of self-government, which I love and I'm pro and <laughs> yes. I want that for a nation. However, that's not the way the church is no. to function. Um, that's why we're not congregationalists. We're congregation votes on things. Uh, it's not run by the people, for lack of a better phrase. Uh, but the SBC as an entity has modeled that system of government. So now you, that's why we vote. That's why you have messenger. It's a very democratic process. However, as more and more, and I don't know what your thought is, so I'll just say it for me, but as more and more in the SBC, I think are becoming liberal or just 
Yeah, Democrats, that's what I would use. Um, they're looking more and more, they're thinking more and more like Democrats typically think, which is surely a system of government can solve the problem. Um, and so what we need is more bureaucracy. And so they're voting on things like this and we're going to have another bureaucratic nightmare. <laughs> well, yeah, piece that we can put in a system and that's going to be the great hope to yes. solve whatever we view right now to be a problem. Uh, to say it a slightly different way, um, do you believe in states' rights or federalism? Do you think the federal government should be telling all the states what to do, or do you think that each state is an entity in itself and they we convene together through representatives? And if people would actually go and understand what that means, they would understand a better form of government the way the our founding fathers actually envisioned it. Mm -hmm. And so now the SBC is turning into the federal government, right, the convention, right. and now they're going to tell all of these independent churches, this is what you should do. Now they add to that a very vague term or phrase called and related misconduct within the SBC. What the heck does that mean? Right. That is so blanket. So broad. Anything that and who gets to define what is misconduct? If you tell, if you discipline a person out of the church for lying about accusations and they ultimately end up out, is that misconduct because we didn't believe the accuser? We, and, and of course, you're going to get everyone saying, now, now, you're being reactionary. It's not going to be like that. It's like everything we're seeing going on right now, it actually ends up being like that they keep telling you no we're not going to have we're not doing crt and then now if you don't hold to that then you're a racist and it's like quit telling me that you're not doing it because you're doing it um and it also assumes a massive problem mm -hmm. in the churches the reality is um i mark coppage i think is his name uh a key pass yeah yeah that's it he he got up and he's like look guys i just don't think it's a big deal you're talking about like a tiny, 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 tiny percentage of churches would be affected by this, what the guideposts discovered. We have 47,000 churches in our- Millions and millions of- And, and you uh, got, well, I think 700 names. <laughs> yeah, um, out of the millions that are SBC. Yeah, it's not like we, we're, we're running around with churches the, the problem. Everybody. The problem is, is our, in our current cultural Me Too moment, uh, what, I think what you just said, people would be outraged at, because of course one's too, too many. Which, okay, right. Well, sure. it, it gets into the Black Lives Matter, right? Yeah. Uh, one death, a death of one black man by the police is too many. It's like, okay, or or the COVID. Uh, if 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 the only acceptable number is zero deaths. <laughs> Then we're, we're 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 screwed as a nation. We can't. I mean, we can't function because mm -hmm. you. The reality is, is there is a an acceptable number of people who are going to die by drunk drivers, and we're not going to confiscate cars of everybody. Yeah. Yet, like it or not, that's the reality. And, and we are in no way trying to. Like, if I think about my church, and I'm like, well, if just one woman out of the many women who are at my church, that's not that bad. That's not how we're thinking. We're, what we're trying to say is there's a there's a different process that the Bible has outlined for how to deal with these issues. It's not through yes. a bureaucratic structural solution. Well, both of our churches though have even dealt with sexual ethics. That is what has I think fr uh, frustrated me, and I think I leaned over to you in the actual convention when that guy before. 
before this vote happened, a guy went up and that's when he Kafka trapped everybody. Basically yeah. said, if you don't vote for this, you're probably one doing this, essentially. Um, uh, by the way, all of this is available. You, you can, can go, go watch listen it. to it. Yep. Uh, and I leaned over to you and I said, what I find frustrating in all this is we literally have dealt with issues like this in our churches, and but we dealt with them in a biblical, swift, righteous manner. And yet we're the ones who are basically being told you are pro-abuse, basically. Yep. And it's like, except we followed the biblical outline. And we were very aggressive on it and yeah. anything but pro that. So again, we talk about the credibly accused, um, but they want to create up a database so that if you if you bring an accusation that I'm this or that, that goes into a database that then they will use so that if my name ever pops up as a pastor candidate for another SBC church, that SBC can church can contact them and they'll punch my name in if it comes back that there were accusations of impropriety on my end proven or not now again but understand they're credibly accused yeah which no one's I'm not yet. in prison for molestation it's somebody said I feel this and no proof no evidence it's investigated it goes away doesn't matter they they actually have that kind of power and it's like that's Frightening. And again, people hearing this because of the way our system in our nation has educated people, they're going to say, well, isn't that just better safe than sorry? It's like, okay, so then put them, They the only way I can say it is then, then live by that. You, uh, Julie Royce got it because mm -hmm. she admitted that she inappropriately uh, got involved with some young woman uh, years ago and never, and, and so it's like, well, welcome to it now. Now they all came after her, and rightly so, because she admitted that she did, and she never did it. And and so now she's hanging by her own devices, if you will. There's a fancier term, but that's that's enough. So it's the guidepost, though, that gets to determine the categories of what credibly accused will mean. Again, a secular external organization gets to make these accusations or these decisions. That's wrong. Mm. Well, What's the other, or then there are several recommendations all connected. Yeah, training churches yeah. on uh, sexual abuse. Uh, again, the problem there though is what if a church says no to the training? Uh, are they treated with that respect or are they now under a cloud of suspicion? Yeah, and um, we know what will happen. Right. So they're saying, well, we want to provide all kinds of training on how to deal with sexual abuse. But again, is it, from the Bible, the Bible is really simple. Is it sin? Yes. Then you confront you. If if it's a, a crime, you bring the secular authorities in and you allow them to do it. Absolutely, um, not hard. No. And some of this was coming out of the fact that apparently there were men who were uh, involved in sexual problems. I think some even actually by formal magistrates found guilty. Um, and they were either fired or resigned or whatever, and then they went and got hired by a different SBC church. So their their solution is let's create this um, database yeah. to help churches do this. It's like, I guess my problem again with that is that's just pastors and churches not doing the work of, so uh, what is your, 
what's your process for interviewing and hiring people? And it leads to another uh, systemic problem, which is, well, why don't you just raise up your own men? But yes. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of problems. <laughs> there's so, that's a, so we go back to then the root problems we see is that so much of the American church is just broken and sick. And so, you know, the CEO model and all the other garbage. Yeah. Um, one more worth noting. Uh, here's a direct quote. It's kind of lengthy. Uh, they recommend that we acknowledge those who have been affected by SBC clergy sexual abuse through both a sincere apology and a tangible gesture and prioritize the provision of compassionate care to survivors. How? Through providing dedicated survivor advocacy support and a survivor compensation fund. So reparations. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's just reparations. Now, that sounds, again, nice, compassion and, and sincere apology, um, but that's not the place of the convention. I don't need to apologize, and I'm not going to apologize for people who lynched a black man 100, 200 years ago. I'm not going to. I didn't do it. Right. Um, and, and I don't want, you know, what we've talked about that. I'm not going to apologize as a church because some church down in Florida hired a person that had been told, they, they knew that he had had some sexual problems, but he's repented and we think that he's good. And, and now they're all shocked. Wow, he had an affair. And, and whoa, 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 I'm not going to apologize. That church should apologize, right. but not me. And, and then what's really bad is what you just said, reparations. Hmm. It's like, Wow. Not and then there's the 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 care groups, this advocacy. Again, who gets to define how how the advocacy works? The Bible, or well, it one day we 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 have to talk about things like um, what's that thing that Rick Warren started? Um, it's it's a grief support. Um, it's grief of, of people who are uh, alcoholics, drug addicted. Oh, I can't think of it. Does it celebrate recovery? Yeah, celebrate recovery. It doesn't celebrate any recovery because what you really do is just keep sitting around and whining and moaning and talking about how you're quote-unquote struggling with something, but you never actually repent. Yeah, and that's the whole sympathy versus empathy issue again. Yes, so that's the same kind of stuff. And so what you actually find is that they're not being challenged to find, learn what it means to forgive as you have been forgiven. But also their identity is in Christ, not in anything else. And uh, a church understanding its responsibility to biblically guard the flock, right. um, none of that's there. So what blows me away, though, is build on that reparations thing, if, if I'm dumping that on you. But what's your thoughts about us creating up a fund? I don't think it's righteous. Uh, in the sense that that is not why people give their money. That's not why I'm giving it. Um, pe- people are giving their money. Again, we're in cooperations for the purpose of missions. Now, if we want to define that as missions, then, okay, then let's have a different conversation. But right now, that is not what missions is, and that's not why we're in cooperation with not one another as 50,000 churches, uh, at least in terms of our guiding documents. Right. Uh, so... One of my problems there is who, who's in charge of issuing these funds out? Why? What's the criteria? Who gets it? Um, to what degree? What is it supposed to do? What's it so you can do accomplish? 
what are the goals? How's it going to solve in your mind what is viewed as a systemic issue in the first place? Which, so th there's a whole lot of issues in my mind on that. Um, but there's a fiduciary responsibility as well because people, again, are giving their money toward what they're giving it for. And it's just been kind of rammed through with this vote. Yep. It's like all of the literally millions upon millions of dollars given to BLM so that we could signal, see, we care. Um, and then you take and it then and build a house. Yeah, they're they're buying mansions and stuff. It's not it's not going to help. Um, again, how much is an uh, appropriate compensation? Do do we now say, well, five thousand dollars? If you ban the SBC, will give you a check for five thousand. Somebody's going to say that's not sufficient. Okay, ten thousand. How? <laughs> now it's a whole. It just creates up a big big mess. So that's, that's that. One other uh, thing that we want to talk uh, about briefly is the abortion issue, because at that point, the leaked document about the Dobbs decision, it, it had been leaked, but it had not been formally published by uh, the Supreme Court. Um, the ERLC, Ethics Religious Liberties Commission, a pretty powerful uh, arm of the SBC, they're supposed to be helping the churches think about how we intersect with the, our our culture, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's been getting more and more liberal, Russell Moore, uh, closet liberal. Now, what's interesting, I don't think he still has said a single word about the repeal of Roe v. Wade now that he works for CT, uh, Christian Today. But he was the head of it. A guy took over. His name is uh, Brent Leatherwood. So a guy got up um, and he brought up this concern. He, he's, his name is Brian G uh, Gunter, or I think that's maybe Gunter. Um, he expressed surprise that Leatherwood signed a letter in May from about 75 pro-life organizations to state legislators throughout the country that opposed bills like one in Louisiana that, that would make it a crime for a woman to abort her child. Uh, and so he, he asked, at the convention, is it really your position, this is quote, is it really your position that the mother who willfully kills her own child by abortion is never guilty before God and that she should never face any consequences under the law? And Leatherwood said this, we agree on the bottom line. We want abortion ended. We want it ended today. We want it ended tomorrow. We want it ended as soon as humanly possible. Here's the reality. You're not going to get me to say that I want to throw mothers behind bars. Um, that's not the view of this entity. That's not the view of this convention. It's not the view of the pro-life movement. Instead, he said, maybe we should rush in with the truth given to us by the author of life. Isn't this wonderful? Showing we are able to bear the burdens of others and offer the healing that comes with grace, just as it has been poured out for us. Now, look, look, we have people in our church who had abortions, and I also know that they ache over it, and they, they live a life full of regret. There's forgiveness found in Christ, but forgiveness found in Christ is not the same thing as now I don't have to go to jail if I murder. If, mm -hmm. if a, a mother chokes her two-year-old to death because she just can't handle child-rearing anymore, it's just too burdensome, um, she's not a victim, she's a murderer. And what what he was wanting was, does the SBC stand for this as murder, or do we see that not? And and Brent Leatherwood would not do it. He wants to say we'll 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 put the abortion 
provider into jail, but not the woman who actually paid the money to yes. go get my and child And part of this has been it. the confusion of what people who have opposed his statement are saying. They're being accused of, you know, like people who have like ectopic pregnancies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or when the mother's in great danger and and they have to undergo that operation. Um, or, or a miscarriage even. Yeah. That is not what is being defined here as abortion as we no. talk about it. This is a willful choice where it's basically becoming uh, a form of birth control. And that, that's just where our culture's at and has been at for a long time. And so nice sounding statements, but I don't think biblical. No. And and here's it. It gets into this whole idea of abolitionist versus pro-life. And so now that's the new subset is are you abolitionist, meaning we it's we we make it go away, or do we incrementally incrementally? Yeah. And so one of the best ways if you're like, I don't know, I it, it makes me uncomfortable, especially if you're somebody who has sought in the past abortion. Again, that's sin. I don't care what the law says, it's still sin, and you need to confess that and find forgiveness in Christ, and then repent of that, and never. And part of that would be never make excuses and never propose, pro, be a promoter of that, right? Right. Uh, then you'd say, there's a repentant individual, just like a person who used to be a drunkard or whatever. Um, but one guy did it really well. He's like, so if we... If we do we arrest the slave owner or do we just make selling of slaves wrong, but the one who buys the slave, they're a victim. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like, no, you, you don't get to. Uh, you abolish it. When you put that same argument into any of the other kinds of things, it's not hard to see what's the right uh, answer. But uh, here, again, we saw this. Well, the, yeah, and the challenge is where our culture is at with it. And, and what does the SBC stand for, right. right? So that was another one that we walked away with the bad taste. Then the real quickly, we'll just touch, because most people won't care, the presidential election uh, came down to a guy named Bart Barber, who won, and another man we like, Tom Askell, who lost. Um, Barber, everything I've seen, he's not a bad man. But he he's a company no. man. He's a he's a die in the wool SBCer. And so with the whole plagiarism yeah. of Ed Litton, he actually went on to Twitter and defended it. He said it's no different than Mark, uh, who wrote the Gospel of Mark. Well, he just used Peter's uh, uh, data to write Mark, and he never attributed it to uh, Peter. So it, do we say that the Holy Spirit? Um, is guilty of plagiarism. And I'm just like, oh, dude, come on. When you sit there and you go out and you take a man's sermon and you go and you preach as if it's yours, and there's just countless examples of that uh, with Lytton, where he actually even claims in some of his sermons where this was something that he experienced, when in fact it was just an illustration that he lifted. Um, that's, that's radically different. There's a deception, deception there. Plus, um, that's his job. His job is to preach, but in today's world, his job is to grow his church. Um, so he, a lot of people are buying their sermons. So we walked away with, I don't think that he's some vile, evil guy. No, I'm, I just don't have much Christ respect. And, yeah, yeah. He, his thinking on how to do things is just going to be very different. Uh, again, he thinks as a very good SBCer, so again, it's going to be through very 
democratic process. And he's going to put into process, uh, into practice, all of the things that got passed, these resolutions we just talked. And then women's issues. Just remember, I I leaned over. Did you see Warren, Rick Warren, when he walked in? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, because I leaned over and it's like, there's Rick Warren. So he comes in and his handlers and everyone, oh, shaking his hand. He, he's obviously a big name. We don't care for his ministry. Yeah. He's retiring. Uh, he's appointed a man and his wife as pastors of Saddleback. <laughs> right. Yeah, if you don't know who he is, he is the one who wrote some years ago, The Purpose Driven Life. And Celebrate Recovery. Yes. And- uh, so he is the largest SBC church in the convention uh, I don't know, 40,000. It's huge. Something like that. He's in California. Tons of churches planted. They're yeah. just like his. So, so, so last year, what happened is there was a motion made, I think by Askell. I could be wrong on that, but I there was a motion made to have Saddleback Church removed, essentially because they're ordaining and installing women pastors, yep. which is an overt contradiction to the Baptist Faith and, Faith and Message 2000, which yep. is the guiding doctrinal document of the SBC. Um, so the emotion, the motion went to the executive committee, which is what it's supposed to do. And what they do is then they talk and come up with, uh, recommendations. Yeah. And then the messengers can vote on it on what they want to do. Well, they came back to the convention and they reported this year that they need to do further investigation as to what is meant by pastor. Uh, when that woman got up there and said that, I, I just lost it. Well, you and a few others. I mean, I heard an audible audible gasp in the room, uh, at least where we were sitting. Oh, yeah. I actually said out loud, no. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, there's some history here. Uh, what you have to understand is during something called the conservative resurgence. So, progressivism is not something new to the SBC. It's, the, the thing's 150 years old, and it's gone through ebbs and flows yeah. and... All kinds of stuff. Um, and so what happened is it starts back in the 50s, but it, it came in full in the 90s um, with guys like Al Moeller, who Southern Seminary was had a lot of like female um, professors and they're pushing female pastors and all these kinds of things. Well, he comes in and says, look, it, here's what our founding documents say. And we need to co- go back to just biblical principles of what the heck a pastor is. Um, so when, when the Baptist faith and message was written, uh, there was a lot of discussion and there's actually documents on this. You can go and read them, uh, as to what is meant by pastor. Um, and it was very clear. They're talking about men, male past. I mean, that's the whole context of the issue. Um, the problem is when it was talked about originally pastor was determined to mean lead pastor formally. I mean, it was, um, which, of course, as you can understand, now opens up the door for, does that apply to staff pastors? Um, so if you have a Sunday, and it's primarily big churches, but like, for instance, there's, sun, quote, Sunday school pastors, which are women. Or children pastor. Or, yeah. Uh, over massive ministries within churches. And so they, they're, they're hired on formally to work 30, 40 hours a week. Um, or they're the women's pastor. Uh, and they're again on staff. The issue that it came down to is this is a issue of tax law. Yeah. Um, 
Because as you know, in our country, you can have tax breaks if you're clergy, if you're pastors. And so they're like, well, if we can ordain them, which is just a, a legal term, not yep. actually a biblical term. Or a, license them. Yeah. Now they can have tax breaks and Baptists have always been opposed to paying taxes they don't have to. So let's ordain them. Let's license them. Let's do whatever um, so that they can get the tax break. That, that's the motive behind a lot of this. However, <laughs> this brings up a lot of confusion. Um, and the debate is over whether or not allowing certain women to receive tax breaks is worth the confusion of categories for what the New Testament is explicit about. Yeah, it's a, a lot of people, and I'm one of them, sees it as it's just a backdoor way of bringing incrementally women into pastoral leadership. Um, as long as the head guy is a man, it's okay, then they can be pastor over this, pastor over that, or co-pastoring like this husband and wife, they're now mm -hmm. taking over uh, Saddleback. Um, it, it, it's, it's okay. And so the guy wanted them disfellowshipped. And it just, it, <laughs> yeah. Moeller got up and he, he was pretty impassioned. He's like, look, if we have to go back and figure out what the word pastor means when it's already been defined in their Baptist faith and message, we're dead. We're I mean, yeah, we're dead. And, and it it was so strongly responded that they rescinded. They put withdrew the recommendation ultimately. Mm -hmm. But you knew that people were angry over that. Um, yeah. Um, and personally, what I found a little bit frustrating because I mean, there are many things about Al Mohler that I love. Yes. Um, I respect the man. Um, he he's a great thinker. He's made a wonderful contribution to Baptist life and theology in general. Um, and he decided to show some chest on this issue. Yep. And why? Because it was his issue in the 90s. In fact, um, I remember because his wife came and gave a conference at uh, Missio. Mm -hmm. And Lydia uh, went and my wife went and picked her up. And so they talked for an hour and a half or whatever. And Lydia got the whole backstory on kind of what that experience was like. They had, they had uh, put bulletproof windows yeah. in his house because they were getting death threats against him over this very issue. Yep. So, of course, it's very near and dear to his heart. Uh, so he stands up and shows a, a big impassioned response to it, which I appreciated. What I found frustrating is I wish that is the kind of courage and righteous anger he would show about the CRT social justice issues that he's been absolutely silent on. Um, and I don't want to make this about Moeller, uh, but... It, it, it's still part of what's going on in the SBC. For him, it's political because he has a number of professors in his seminary who are pro-CRT and doing theology yep. while black, uh, those kinds of things. Uh, one of his primary New Testament professors, William Jarvis, if, if you go and catch some of his videos, uh, he is saying some very, I think, dangerous things. Uh, Matthew Hall, who I think yes. was former uh, Dean of Academic Affairs at Southern, was very much about that stuff too. So uh, I appreciated him standing up and doing it. I, but that was the immediate thought that popped into my mind is where have you been on this issue? Yes, you should. In fact, he split the vote last year right. with, ask, uh, with uh, Mike Stone by allowing himself to accept the nomination for president. So he, he immediately split the conservative vote. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, but what was crazy was then, late the next day in the convention, uh, Rick Warren, who is not was not an elected messenger. You have to understand, you have to be an elected messenger to be allowed to speak. 
<laughs> oh, he wasn't elected. No, no, he's retired. He's no longer SVC. Oh, I thought he was and still another no, no. few months on. And they gave him the floor and he got up and you guys, if you haven't seen it, just type in Rick Warren, SBC 2022, and you can listen to his five, 10 minute talking where he's like, I'm not here to defend myself. And then it was all about I, 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 like one of the things he says is I've trained 1.1 million men for the ministry, which is greater than all of the Southern Baptist seminaries put together. And I'm just like, no, you haven't. <laughs> and it's just stuff like that. And people gave him rousing, rousing um, mm -hmm. applause. If you see it on YouTube, it's worth watching. Look at the guy in the orange behind him. He's sitting there with his arms crossed. He's not clapping. He won't stand. Nothing. I'm like, I like yeah. that guy. <laughs> well, I didn't. Okay. So I didn't know he was his, an elected messenger. Yeah. So he, I was going to say in here, technically, he was in order to do that um, because according to Robert's rules, if you're being threatened with being kicked out, you have the right to state but, your piece. But he had resigned and he was not. Well, then he, that changes it. Right. So, oh, frustrating. So it was left just open-ended. Uh, nothing was dealt with. Everybody loved him. And so he's the great guy. What What blew me away is here they give him mm -hmm. an open mic, but when Tom Buck or his wife, either one, try to address the sexual abuse that is a proven thing, they they said you're out of order and shut their mics off. And it's like that's politicking in its worst sense, not godly sense. So in the end, executive committee punted the issue. Uh, they can come with recommendations at any point during, during this next year after, quote unquote, further investigation. And I think they're just going to, all they're going to do is they're going to wait another year and then they're going to push it through. What, the thing that I see is that I think is that more and more of the Southern Baptist churches really, because we follow our culture, we're, we're, we're not being biblical um, through and through, that and this is just my opinion, um, that the Southern Baptists will eventually uh, cave to it. Uh, it's becoming more and more and more egalitarian, and you can listen to our uh, prior podcasts on, on what that means versus complementarian. Um, very disturbing, though, and that's kind of, that was where it ended. We waited and waited, we, we voted, and we had to, we were waiting for Tom Askell to find out, did he win or not? Um, and ultimately, I think it was coming, the room was almost empty mm -hmm. and we were still waiting because we we're like, we're not leaving. And I finally actually went and found Tom and I said, any other things coming up? And he's like, no, it, we're, we're done. And so we got up and we left at, at the end of a very, very long day. So, Well, what was clear is uh, everything that uh, we voted the same, uh, everything we voted on was in the minority. Which we're kind of used to now. Yeah. But but it it's telling yes. uh, where we stand. And uh, someone sent me a text, um, a little disturbed, because uh, like Jared Longshore yes. came out with a sort of a diatribe against the SPC and basically said, look, at it's a, it, the dom denomination's dead. Um, and <laughs> made classic Longshore slash Wilson kind of statement of... Um, if you think it's not because you're not yet ordaining uh, gay bishops, uh, 
you're blind, you already have her name is Guidepost Solutions, yeah, um, or something like that. And just sent a thing and is like, I, I love the SPC. I, um, I think it's in trouble, but I don't think it's dead. What do you think? And I said, I don't think it's dead. I think it's on life support it's, by the conservatives, very, very ill that are still yeah. in it. Um, but we've seen the resurgence happen. Yes. We've seen that, and and what what's needed is a, a very definitive work of the spirit reviving uh, the church and then uh, the convention and the church, but it's going to start at those churches and then all of the, it, it can happen very, very rapidly um, with hearts that change. But, but we, we, we left with now we have to make decisions and those we'll talk about uh, maybe at some other time, but we don't know what they're going to be. There's a lot of decisions that have to be. We're going to watch. We're going to go back next again next year. Our plan is, um, and and pay close attention to what's going on. But we thought that this would be a, a, a good podcast for you. It's a long one, um, so I'm glad if you stuck with us, um, even if you're not SBC, because it's not just SBC. This is happening throughout the churches, and so some say, smile and say, "Well, we're independent churches, haha." Well, so are SBC. The question is not, okay, you're independent, but if you think that you're somehow exempt from these pressures, your younger people, you might be shocked if you were to go and ask some of the younger people what they believe. Um, if they were raised up in the public school system and the general milieu of, mm-hmm. of America today, you, you might be stunned at how they think and, and, and our, our exhortation, my exhortation, I, I can't speak for you, Matt, I, I think you'll agree though, is the only way that we're, you're going to change those things and guard against that is a strong pulpit that's committed to the sufficiency of the word, the sufficiency of Christ, and clear, deep, theologically strong expository preaching. Absolutely. And then the application of that. And then see what God does. Yeah. And one thing I will say about Moeller, and I think I've said it before even on this podcast, but what he had said that was helpful for me is it is also the value and power of institutionalism is if you don't like something that's happening right now, just wait five, 10 years. Yeah, you have said that. The constant variable is people and issues flushing through. Um, And so the question that we'll have to decide is, are the pros right now outweighing the cons? Right. Right. And and these are weighty issues. Yes. So anyhow, we thank you for listening. We uh, we hope that you found this helpful. It's good to do one. Uh, I'm going to head back out on my sabbatical for another month. Um, our producer Lena has been faithfully produced. We we had a lot of uh, podcasts that we kind of uh, did so that it wouldn't look like we were not there. But um, we hope that you'll share this like. Uh, do I can't tell you how, how do I say this? It's been two months. Like, share, comment, rate, and review, and tell a friend. Yes, and tell a friend. Mm-hmm.